Nation. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the Crease Dive. Today is Friday, February 14th. And what better way to spend your Valentine's Day than by just completely ignoring your loved one and listening to the boys chop it up about some lacrosse? So, Jake, how are you feeling this Valentine's Day? Uh, pretty good. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm, uh, I'm taken. So, you know, I got my own obligations. I'm sure that, you know, for all the horny guys out there, like, you know, the horny guys on the web, like this is, this is a very lonely day for you. And I understand. So we're here to bring you some lacrosse and to take your mind off the fact that you're going to be alone forever. Yeah. Like don't go around like DMing girls today being like, like happy valentine's day haha like just kidding i i don't have you know like just just maybe maybe stay away from the dms today um you'll get them next time champ but but luckily for you we have a full weekend of lacrosse ahead of us so get horny about the lacrosse and you know just uh keep keep that in your pants no no one wants to be that guy in the dms so um I'll, i'll tell you who is horny for goals though extremely horny for goals. We might as well just jump right into it because what we saw last Friday, just seven, seven short days ago from today, Chase Scanlon making his debut with the Syracuse Orange and my oh my, a seven spot, a seven piece chicken nuggets on his debut, rocking the double twos. Um, all right, listen. It's let let let's start. Let's let's make the bet right now. At what point during the season are we going to stop talking about the fact that Chase Scanlon wears the number twenty-two? Probably never. I, I would hammer. I would hammer the never on that. The the Tuesday following Memorial Day, I would say. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but like. All right, so I, I know some of it is going to get overblown. Like, I, I understand we're going to get real sick of every time Chase Scanlon scores a goal being like, and there's number 22. for. But, like, when you got a kid with that level of skill, um, you know, wearing that number that has been, you know, it's been put on the shelves for the past few years, it, it's such a historic number, and he is such an absolute weapon that – that we're going to have to talk about it all the time. So, I mean, just either either get used to it or you're going to be, like, furious all season long. I mean, he put up half of the goals on the day by himself from the midfield. So, I mean, not by himself, just in the fact that he scored – he was the one scoring him, not the fact – you know, shut up if you think that that's what I, that's what I meant. Um, no, I mean, that's a ridiculous showing for your, for your first – for your first – game after transferring from you know a Loyola program that you know we all the focus was on Pat Spencer and Chase Scanlon you know quietly had 60 70 80 points so like you know for I think Syracuse really made a statement um in that game the 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 score and I, I believe I told you this during in the middle of the game the score did not reflect how far away Syracuse was from Colgate um that the 21-14 is not – it was more like 40-3. to three. Uh, that's, what it, that's what it felt like. Syracuse was really in control the entire game. I, I don't want anybody who didn't see it to be confused um, because that Syracuse, that Syracuse team was, as the teens say, they were vibing. 
I wasn't fully aware that the teens say that these days, but yes, they absolutely were. Um, real quick, before we, we keep stroking off Cuse, um, all right, so Colgate. Listen, guys, like you had just got done playing against UNC in Chris Gray's ACC debut where he put up four goals in the first quarter. Like, don't you think that maybe for – for the most part, like the game plan heading into that Q's game was like, all right, hey, like let's just make sure that the kid who just transferred out of the Patriot League to the ACC doesn't absolutely demoralize us in, in his debut. Like don't you think – like if, if you're any defensive coordinator in college lacrosse right now and you're playing against someone who just you know transferred schools over the summer, you got you to lock them off. Like if, if you don't lock them off, that is, it's irresponsible, it's reprehensible, and it's a fireable offense to just, if you're playing against someone who just transferred, shut that son of a bitch off because the boys are out for blood this year. And the, the, the issue that I had with the, the game plan, with Colgate's game plan was the fact that Chase Scanlon, and it, it I mean, Chase Scanlon's a, a very, an extremely good player, but Colgate left him open three, four times. They're just three, four times where he was able to set his feet and rip it. And I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, put another player in that position. Like I'm sure that they're going to, they're, you know, uh, light up the scoreboard too. But the fact that it was Chase Scanlon every single time is kind of telling like, is anybody going to guard him? Are we going to keep it? We're going to slide early. Like what the fuck are we doing? And maybe it was like a, well, we give up situation, which now, not great. In in their defense, Stephen Rafus ended up having seven assists on the day. So, kid's it's, a freak. So it's it's not like, you know, it's it's not every every day that you're going to be playing against a team where it's like, you know, like this this kid Rafus is going to he's going to draw a slide, he's going to beat the slide, he's going to draw another slide, and then all of a sudden, like you're wondering how the hell does Chase Scanlon have like, like a seven yard radius around him where no one's even, you know, touching the kid. Well, you know, you got a, a, a stud like Rafis who's just drawing everyone over to him and then dumping it off. And, and then Scanlon just gets to put seven tucks in the back of the net. Um, but yeah, still like at, at that point, just play five on five and, and shut off anyone who transferred. Um, but I mean, what a debut for Chase Scanlon. Um, and I mean, and again, like, listen, we're going to get – I promise that we won't do this every single week on the show, but when you got a kid wearing the number 22 for the first time at Syracuse and that's the performance that he puts up, that is that's – a, that's a historic moment and that's a, that's a what's up, bitch, I'm here moment for Chase Scanlon. Yeah, that's a, that's a good coming out party, I'd say. Um, I mean, loyal – I mean, it's not like, you know – he, he, it's not like he, you know, rode the bench at Loyola. It's not like he, you know, was a, a not a highly touted recruit. Like that's, you know, he's he, he lived up to expectations in his first game, and we'll see how he goes. I, th- I think putting him at midfield is uh, uh, putting him at midfield and having three strong attackmen, even with Griffin, you know, letting Griffin Cook shine as the sophomore. I think having three strong attackmen and the chase kind of floating around up top is that's pretty pretty deadly combination. Um, and as Drake Porter said, we did see our boy Tyler Buttermore out there. Uh, I think he got a tuck. Uh, 
at least one. Um, but that kid, that kid's pretty silky. And I think we've glossed over Peter Durth, the the big man. Dude, that we we saw <laughs> we saw a uh, uh, a manslaughter on the on at the carrier. It was murder on Friday night. I mean, Peter Durth, just a a total unit, just coming down the field, full head of steam. Like, uh, I'm I'm not sure, dude. By the way, uh, so Twitter was down during the game, so I've got a real big bone to pick with with Jack from Twitter because what a game to to watch, but to not be able to you know chop it up with everyone online while the game was going on for the most part, um, mm. because that goal had happened, and I'm I'm not sure if I even got that clip out on on social media, so we might have to throw that one on the Instagram a little late here. Uh, but Peter Durst just unleashing uh, an absolute rocket ship. And then hits the back of the net. And then as he's following through, lowers the shoulder, just blows up this poor pole who was standing in his way. This kid goes flying, decleated. Then he's just like standing over him, kind of like, you know, Allen Iverson over Ty Lue. Um, so it's like that, that was a rough scene for sure. I mean, he's listed at 6'3", 220. That's, that's insane. And what he's think, a, and what he's think a, his deadlift he's, is? I don't know. He's he's probably in the four hundreds, five hundreds. I bet that bet he's crushing Tahoga levels of bang energy drink. But I mean, that was a huge highlight for the game. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a good game in the carry them. Can't say yeah. more than that. Yeah, and I mean, like that. I, I well, first off, shout out to Jersey Drake Porter just putting on an app. Like I know he had fourteen on him, but yeah, like, but yeah, he, he put on a clinic. Dude, like and, and there, there were them. multiple, there were multiple times during that game where he had back-to-back saves. I think he, you know, he had like there was like one point. It was like a, it was like a stretch of like two minutes where he had like six unreal saves. Um, so big, big-time game out of Drake Porter. Yeah, eventually it's just like, all right, like we're up by like a billion goals. Like I'm not really gonna like, you know, if, if a couple get past me, it's no big deal. Um, but so you, you had talked about how, you know, obviously it's not like Chase Scanlon came out of nowhere. It's not like he was like hidden on the bench at Loyola and, and like, you know, now he gets his time to shine at Syracuse. Like we knew that he was an absolute weapon at Loyola. Well, then let's go to Loyola to start off 2020. Um, mm. You know, obviously you lose a generational talent like Pat Spencer. That's going to hurt. Obviously, you lose a guy like Chase Scanlon, you know, transferring over the offseason, then puts up seven in his debut at Syracuse. That's going to hurt. What we didn't really, like, at least not what, like, I considered is how much losing Jacob Stover really hurts this team. Like, like you could tell that there were times where, um, you know, that Loyola offense, like, they just didn't have – what it what it what it took to keep pace with Virginia on Saturday um but they ended up I mean they they put up nine goals like it it was there were times where the game seemed like it was like real out of reach like I was like you know flipping through um you know different games and it's like all right like you know Virginia has enough of a lead here where I know that they're not going to end up losing it like I know that this game's over but then you know the final score 12-9 like Loyola is able to keep it tight with a team like Virginia, who I think is like, we want to talk about offensive depth. Like these guys will murder you all over the place. Um, but yeah, just, just losing Stover, like obviously losing Pat Spencer is going to be the biggest thing. Um, but losing Stover like that, that one right there, I think 
Because th- there are going to be games where they're able to just kind of like, you know, grind their way offensively to kind of stay in the game. But you lose those three guys, and that's, that's going to be a, a tough go for, for the Greyhounds this year. Yeah, that's rough. That, that's absolutely rough. Um, I mean, it's a tough go for the gray for the Greyhounds, especially you know one of their first. Was this their first game? Yeah, the uh, Virginia Loyola season opener. Yeah, season opener. So that's might have been like the fifth edition of that. Okay, so that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty rough go of it. Um, I mean, you're still playing such just such a complete. UVA team like you're really playing one of the most complete teams that we've probably seen in a very long time I mean Matt Moore had five points um Peyton Cormier had a you know he's such a silky player like that I mean he he had a game um shout, out, shout out to Matt Moore real quick uh when yes. uh, the, the ESPN graphic uh you know showed his little you know they they put up the player's name where he's from some stats and then like a little fun fact well favorite food roast beef sandwich from his mom like that's such a you might not know but that's such a such a philly boy answer um especially like a like a delco kid just big big oh, roast delco kid big roast beef county here in delaware county pennsylvania uh you know <laughs> shout out to nick's roast beef i mean just un- unbelievable so the fact that matt moore is just out there he's probably crushing a roast beef sandwich before every game and then he goes out there and has a quick five points just burping I'm, on everyone i'm just i'm so disgusted right now i wish everybody could see my face this is just anyway the this virginia team is one of the most complete teams and they had you know i mean shout out you know kevin lindley who got two talks and then you know a, a georgia boy playing for uh uh, Loyola, uh, Logan Devereaux. Um, so you got to got to shout out the ATL kids there. But I mean, Logan Devereaux is enormous. I, he was I, he's six five, two fifteen. Like that's a that's a big boy. Um, but I mean, Lenley is a junior. I think he's a junior. Is he a junior this year? Yeah. Uh, so he so he's kind of commanding the attack as as a junior. And and wearing number seven, so we um you know we, yeah. we saw a little a, a little dust up on Twitter, uh, courtesy of RP three Rob Pinnell. Um, mm-hmm. I so you know some people may not have noticed that that was Kevin Lindley out there at at first, um, but yeah. So apparently Pat Spencer said, "Hey, K Dog, I want you to to carry on the tradition. I want you to yeah. and." And, and I respect that move from Pat Spencer, um, you know, and I, I think that that's, you know, a, a big time respect move from Pat Spencer and, and good on Kevin Lindley for like taking that challenge head on. Like that's, you know, you, you take like, like what if like Michael Jordan, like was like, Hey, fucking whoever, like, I, I want you to wear 23. Now I'd be like, I, I don't know, man. Like that's, that's a tall order to fill. Um, so, you know, I, I think, the fact that that Lindley still has plenty of time left at Loyola, like I think that he'll take on that responsibility of wearing the seven there, and he'll, and he'll turn that into something where it's like a twenty-two at Syracuse. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I, th- I think that that's that's a big time responsibility to take on, and like good form for doing it. But I'd be like, I don't know, man. I kind of just want to like camp out and just score like four goals a game and not have too much attention on me. 
Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't really see any reason for a dust up on uh, about you know numbers. I'm not. I'm not. I think. I think uh, Pendell had said that he was watching the game without the volume on, so he didn't know it was like he thought that it was just like some freshman who. Um, oh yeah. Who who came into the program and was oh, like, "Oh, that makes sense." Hey, coach, can I wear number seven? But it's like no, like he didn't choose to pick it. Pat Spencer handed it down. So, um, but yeah, it's still that's that's a that's a heavy heavy jersey to wear. So no, for sure. And I mean, he. It's not like he, you know, sixty goals last year it's not like he uh is any shy of production but i mean a lot of those assists came from pat so we'll see who's you know spreading the ball around this year yeah well two to start the season so that's that's a good pace to to at least start off with um now here's the thing ladies and gentlemen boys and girls i i know that you come to us the crease dive because we are unbiased well-respected journalist. Um, you know, if anyone out there respects the biz, it's, it's the two of us, right? Like we, we love the sport, but, but we, we respect it too much to be fans of, of a specific team. We're going to break our own rule here though, because uh, as, as some of you may have picked up by now, uh, Jake is currently enrolled at Johns Hopkins university. Correct. And the Blue Jays starting off the year sans Joey Epstein and that offense puts up 15 on the board. Like I I know it's been a huge uh, couple of weeks for, for goal scorers to start off the college lacrosse season. Um, But I mean, 15 without Epstein, Cole Williams getting three and four Connor DeSimone, a hat trick Garrett Degnan, a hat trick. Like, Forty Smith one on one like they're they're getting production from so many different guys, and then you know you take that fifteen that they score against Towson, and then you say, oh guess what we get to add the number one freshman from last year, uh you know number one incoming freshman. I mean I think I think we could all say that probably Chase Scanlon was the best freshman last year, but you know what I'm saying. Um, they still get to add just a, a absolute stud in Joey Epstein later to this offense. So I, I know that we try to stay unbiased here, but it's going to be a little tough for Jake. And that's, you know, that's not without, uh, you know, anything without any substance backing it up. Because if, if, if you're going to be a fan of your, of your program, of your school, it definitely helps when they put up 15. It sure does. I must say. Um, I mean, Cole Williams with seven points. That's, that's, off the charts right there. Um, I mean, Towson kind of, I mean, is it too early to say they might be in, in a little trouble if Kobe Smith is their leading scorer so far? He's got four points. Most, most of like most of the schools out there, I would say, yeah, that's a, that's a definite issue. If a pole is your leading scorer in a game, especially against hop. Um, one, Kobe Smith loves to score against Hopkins. It's I think he's addicted to it. He's addicted to putting up two against against Hopkins. Um, and secondly, like, yeah, he he's carrying around a six foot pole out there, but he's got he's got the heart and the mind of an attackman. Um, and he just loves to just wail on guys with a long pole. So, like, I would call him he's a he's a long stick offensive midi. Okay. I mean, I think he at least deserves a spot on that up. 
Oh, yeah. without a doubt. Um, uh, that that was. I mean, that was a great game, and I think that I think that Hop fans were um, a lot of Hop homers were kind of in and out. Uh, last season kind of left them with a lot of you know a lot of questions. You know what the team was going to look like this year, and I mean, even without Epstein, they were gelling out there um, to a team. You know, to a Towson team that they probably you know they probably would have lost last year. You know, I, I mean, you know, they, they seem kind of all over the place, but um, I mean, they look focused and they, they look like a certified wagon to me right now. Yeah. So, I mean, also this, uh, this matchup is just like each timeless classic. It, well, it's a timeless classic, but it's just been like such a shit show, like the past couple seasons, like, like the, the last I want to say last like five or six times that Hopkins and Towson is like no one, no one's won two years in a row for like the past like five or six years. Uh, the past three have all been pretty much like shit pumpings, you know, like, like seven, eight goal games. Um, and then, but you know, the one thing that it never lacks in is in the uniform department. I mean, what a couple mm-hmm. of crispy uniforms going head-to-head in this one. Uh, the hop helmets, I really hope that one of those come with the tuition that you pay for there. Yeah, if, if the equipment managers are listening, um, just let me hold one. I, I'd, I'd love to. I think I am deserving of it, um, especially as a tuition-paying student. And, like, if you guys need any, you know, you need me to be on the sidelines and tweet for you or something. I'm, I'm totally, totally available. Just let me know. But yeah, the, whoever, whoever dropped the design on those helmets, whew, sheesh. Like those were, those were definitely, I mean, the win was important, but like winning in those, you can't step on the field in those helmets and then lose is all I'm saying. Those are helmets that if Hopkins finds themselves at, uh, championship weekend, those are the buckets oh, yeah. that you rock. Oh yeah, for Unless, sure. They could, they could rock them in a in a like a fucking chrome base with that. Like they could do so much with it. They could go black. They could do plenty of stuff. But that but the the Hopkins blue was crazy. It yeah. went crazy. Um, one other note from this game. Uh, it, it sparked a lot of discussion on the interwebs. When Hopkins, Hunter Joransky absolutely blew up Jack McNallen on, on right off the faceoff, um, one of the one of the better hits that we've seen in quite some time. I mean, Joransky like lower at, at this point. I think everyone who's on lacrosse Twitter has seen it because everyone is screaming at each other on lacrosse Twitter. You'll never believe this, but Twitter is not a great place to have a. Uh, irrational discussion about things. Um, it, it turns out that people have their opinions and they want to fight others if they don't have the same one. Um, but this hit, I mean, just clean, clean as could be lowers the shoulder drives straight through the body. And, and the reason why I think a lot of people are like real, like think that this hit is so, um, so much more than it actually was because Jack McNallen is obviously rocking his chin strap at like the loosest setting possible to where like, it's still, it's not like flying off of his head as he's just running. Um, but for his helmet to pop off the way that it did, like he's, he's clearly not strapped up super tight. And, and I can respect that because 
obviously he doesn't want to fall victim to second bar syndrome. Um, you know, and, and, and we've seen, we've seen plenty of, of guys fall victim to it before. Uh, but when you're, you know, when you're wearing a uniform as crispy as the Towson uniform, you can't fuck that up by going with the, with the second bar syndrome. So, you know, he's wearing his helmet nice and loose and I can respect the swag, uh, factor of that. But the risk and the reward of that is if you get absolutely blown up, well, you know, now, now your helmet's going to get sent into orbit. I can't stand that this, this whole art, the people arguing about this, about whether the hit was clean or not. The fact of the matter is that I think, I think what it looked a lot worse than it actually was. I think the helmet popping off made it look a lot worse than it actually was. I think it was a nice physical play. Um, I trust the referees. Um, I really do. Uh, I, I don't think that the game, there's other factors involved, right? So if the game had already been chippy and that, and that was a hit that was laid in, I think that that kind of factors in as well because you need to control your players, right? You know, you got to, the refs, the referees are responsible for controlling the flow of the game. So if it was getting out of hand and they let that, they let that hit go, then yeah, I think that it's, it, it was, uh, it would have been unreasonable. But the fact of the matter is, I think it was just, a good time and a place type deal and uh helmet popped off and it looked way worse than it actually was. The one thing I'll say, um, so I, I mean, I love the fact that the refs didn't throw a flag on this one. Like, you know, at, at this point in the game, it's like, even if a hit is clean, if it like looks super bad or it sounds super bad, like, like worse than it is, like you said, like they still just like throw a flag just like as a reaction. Um, but the so like I, I couldn't be happier that they kept the flags that and like just let the boys play. Um, but by not throwing a flag, they kind of robbed us by not giving us an all time Dave Petromala freak freak out. Like True. he would have lost his goddamn mind if they threw a flag on that one. And as much as I love the fact that it was a clean hit and and the refs didn't flag it, I also sneaky wanted to see that freak out a little bit more. I think that's a fair thing to want. I don't think there's anything more classic than a good Petro freak out on the field. Especially, especially like this early in the season, but you know what though, but, but that's almost now it like, it leaves me wanting more. So like now I still have something to look forward to the rest of the season. So we wouldn't want to bust their nut too early. So, you know, now, now Petro just, Basically, the refs are, are edging us um, to get to that Petro freakout, and it, it, it'll be worth it in the end. Yes, yes, it will. A uh, couple other games to run through here. Um, you know, again, just just a big big week last week. Uh, the Richmond Spiders, and this is a team that Jake, you've you've been high on for totally. for, for a while now. Like, not even just this season. Like, you you've been you've been kind of leading the charge on Richmond for a while. And these guys, they almost did it. The Spiders almost took down the Terps. It took two overtimes for Maryland to get this one done when Anthony DeMeo scored the second overtime dagger. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Richmond taking the Terps to double overtime, a, a, a team that you're high on. How do you feel about the Spiders moving on the rest of the season, using that as a, as a catapult? 
I thought they had that one in the bag, man. I really did. I, I was watching the whole game. I was like, this is an – I mean, I, I was looking around like this is this is an upset alert. Like the, this, people have to be talking about this right now. This has to be an upset alert because that, that Richmond team is, fu- is chock full of talent, right? Mitch Savoka is a beast, right? He's just a big boy. He's a bully. You know, that team is so full of talent that – they are they are so close. They are so close to pushing it to the next level. High points high point would I would consider a notch below them, but Richmond is so fucking close to being at the next level. And I've been saying it for years. They've only been around I think six years. I think this is the sixth year of their program. They were a club beforehand. And may I may I just say that in the 2013 SELC MCLA tournament. Uh, the University of Georgia Bulldogs trounced the Richmond Spiders the year before they went to Division One. Just well, how, saying. How how could we ever forget? We we could never forget that. So just just saying. So if you you know if you want to do a little if so facto right there, you know maybe UGA is better than Richmond. Anyway, I'm huge on Richmond. I think the story of that game was they had a lot of failed clears. Right, there was a lot of uh, uh, errant passes and things like that towards the end of the game and that, but to me that's about keeping composure right and that Maryland team I mean you got you've got some uh I think Jared Bernhardt's probably like like the wisest guy on the on the like in college lacrosse like the guy is just the, he's just so calm and cool under pressure and I I, I in my heart I knew that Maryland was going to win that game, but I didn't want them to, right? I, I really wanted Richmond to be, because, one, their jerseys look fucking good, and, two, I think they're almost at the next level. Yeah, I mean, they've been stringing together winning seasons for the past few now, um, and, and that's now two years in a row that they've had uh, one-goal losses to Maryland. So, like – I mean, you're, they, they are, they're right. Like you think about Maryland over the past, what, five, six years, like they're like the pinnacle of like being consistently dominant. And that's now two years in a row where they've lost by just one goal to, to one, like probably I'd, I'd say, I'd say the best team of the decade right? The best program of the decade. Like you think about all the final fours that they've been to, and then they, they have the national championship and you know what they've been able to do. And the fact that Richmond is right there, like, so, you know, it's, it's not like they like just turned D1. Like they've had enough time to like, you know, they've gone through a couple graduating classes. So like, but, but it's still, you know, you think about the history of Maryland lacrosse versus the history of Richmond lacrosse and the fact that they're there right now. Um, you know, that just goes to show like there are just like like so many kids out there playing high school ball that, you know, might be overlooked by like some of the top programs and like quote unquote top programs. Um, and, you know, like these teams like Richmond and, and like or like High Point, like getting a kid like Asher Nolting, um, you know, just being able to find those kids and being like, hey, like we're going to put together a team and we're just going to be the biggest pain in the ass to some of these blue blood programs like like that like that's what it is and like you know what that's why like spider is a, a perfect mascot for richmond because 
you see a spider and you're like, dude, fuck off, man. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, you, you want to swat, but like, you're like kind of like afraid to get like too close. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a pussy about spiders. I'm, I'm not a huge, huge spider okay. guy. Um, definitely, definitely. That, that makes more sense that I'm just a bitch about spiders, but still, um, I mean, Richmond is they're They're knocking at the doorstep and I'm, I'm excited for you to, for, for when we finally get one of these, uh, club turn D one programs to really make a, a solid run for, you know, at least like the quarterfinals or, uh, you know, maybe even championship weekend one of these days. You know, I, a lot of teams have done it, right? Um, but they make what I would consider to be, and it has a lot to do with, I think it has a lot to do with your student population and things like that. But, you know, there's a couple of schools that have gone D2, D3. And I think the jump to D1 is really, it's tough, right? You know, there's a lot that has to go into it. And I would love to see more of it. Um, I just, you know, uh, I mean, Utah, I don't know. It, it, Utah is right where Richmond was sitting, you know, so, it, so, you know, let's check back on Utah in four years, you know, see if their progress is, is, uh, is, is comparable, but I mean, you know, Richmond strung together. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of mad about the game because I wanted them to win. I wanted them to be like, you know, kick Maryland in the mouth, but you know, maybe next year, right? Maybe, maybe next year. Um, before we move on here, I, I do, I would like to apologize to everybody. Um, at this point, you should probably be used to me being wrong about a lot of stuff that I say on here. Um, a lot of my takes should be just like, basically this show should just be a funnel for old takes exposed. Uh, but but I, I was really hyping up this Army UMass matchup last week to be, to be one of the, the best, you know, maybe like the tightest matchup of, of the season. I thought that, you know, UMass was going to be this team that's that's on the rise. You know, they they brought back – it was something like something like seven out of nine of, like, their their uh, highest scores from last season. So I just figured, you know, this is a team that was ready to, to get back to where they need to be. And they come out, and they either just respect the troops so goddamn much that they just laid down and said, hey, like – this is all you um but realistically it's just army was just like so much better and brendan nick turn like what an absolute animal this kid is he, leading scorer on army last year as, as a freshman comes out this year seven points with four and three um pretty sure he i think he either he had, had like seven on monday yeah so in another seven point, but I'm pretty sure in last year's game against UMass, he either had four and three or he had three and four. I'm pretty sure like his first, first game at army, he also had a, a seven point game. So he's just like abusing UMass. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, a, a 17 to four final um, for a game that I, I really thought was going to come down to the wire. So that's on me. And uh, you, you can, that my promise to you right now is that I will never, ever, ever trust UMass ever again. Okay, that's fair. I think the the people can get along with that. I mean, Nick turns a freak. Uh, he, I mean, pretty sure that. Uh, I mean, with all those points, he's probably the nation's leading leading. He's probably leading the nation in points right now. So, you know, kudos to him. I don't know, man. I just thought maybe Army, like, 
graduating Barreto and, and Johnny Serdic would maybe give UMass a chance to, to throw a little bit more in the back of the net. Uh, but yeah, four is definitely not going to cut it. Um, as far as the rest of the week went, uh, you know, Lehigh, Lehigh taking down Utah 16-11. That, I mean, that, I think that Lehigh is going to be a, uh, you know, a very strong team this season, especially in, I mean, the Patriot League's going to be down. Um, well, besides Army. So, you know, Tommy Schelling, seven and two. Are you kidding me? A nine-point game and a 16-11 win. Tommy Schelling, absolute dog of the week. Um, Duke, you know, they, they, they had lost that game to start the season. They, they turn around. They get their revenge on high point, 17-8. That game was a little out of – I mean, high point's going to have a rough go at it. Um, other than that, you know, pretty much, pretty much just, uh, what we would expect from the week. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think what we're seeing is just, you know, a lot of these teams just have some studs who have the ability to really take over games. Um, and you know, when it comes down to May and we only have so many teams playing and each one of these teams has at least one or two of these guys who can take over at any moment like this year's tournament is just going to be insane. Yeah. The, the tournament, I mean, it's a little, I mean, is it too early to call? Is it too early to talk about it? Never. Never. Oh, I don't I, think it's, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it right now. I was talking about the 2022 tournament. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that was week two of college across. Now let, let's take a little break a little bit here from, from the college game. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, let's, let's jump on over to the pro game because earlier this week we had the first PLL expansion draft as the water dogs finally got their roster going dogs on top. Um, so the water dogs, they, they got to pick, uh, 18 players on Wednesday no more than four players from, from any team, and they made sure that they completely robbed the Whip Snakes, which makes sense. I mean, you, the team just won a championship. It's like, hey, fuckers, give me, every, give me all your lunch money. Um, so Connor Kelly, first pick of the expansion draft. Uh, you know, a, th- Think about this real quick. The last three college across national champions, right? You had... Uh, Virginia last year, Yale 2008, Maryland 2017. Now, I know Connor Kelly wasn't necessarily the guy in 2017. You still had Rambo and Heacock there, but Connor Kelly was still, uh, you know, played a big role in that. 2018, Ben Reeves, and then 19, Ryan Conrad also. So, like, you, they're, 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 they know that they're going after guys who know what it takes to win a championship. I think that this was a pretty uh, – it, it wasn't necessarily like a, a shocking expansion draft. I think for the most part, it was like pretty much what people expected, you know, most of the moves that people expected. Um, but, I mean, I think I think we're – like, you know, there's still just so much talent in the PLL and like just so few teams where a team can come in and just get studs right off the bat like this. Yeah, the attack line that they chose. I mean, they chose 
four solid attack, uh, one, two, three, five solid attackmen that, I mean, probably could play anywhere on the field. I, you know, um, I, I kind of realized while we were sitting here that the reason they probably um, didn't take Drenner first is they wanted to make us sweat a little bit and maybe pay attention. So I, I get that. That's a respectable move. Um, I mean, Connor Kelly is a, is a stud. I think the, the Connor Kelly, the, the Coochie main and the Reeves combo um, is going to be pretty deadly. Uh, I also think that having, you know, they, they dug deep in the bag and got a Canadian in there, Westberg, um, get it, that Macintosh Berg connection, you know, you throw anything to Berg, he's going to catch it on the crease. So like, you know, running him on at midfield, he's kind of like a fourth midfielder or a fourth attackman, depending on what his mood's like. And then you got Kieran McArdle, who is a renaissance man. Uh, he can score. He can he can uh, dive across the crease. He can pretty much do anything. Um, you know, speaking of renaissance men, they got they picked up you know Drew Snyder, the jack of all trades, um, a handsome motherfucker too. So honestly, like like fr- frus- frustratingly handsome. Unnecessary. You know, nobody should be out there being that handsome. So, I mean. It, in Conrad, you know, you got Conrad too, uh, kind of a jack of all trades type dude. So now the you know, thing we'll see real quick, something that really worries me now. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head what they ended up wearing, um, last summer as they were playing pro, but Chris Sabia and Ryan Conrad were both two big time black cleats, white socks guys. Now I know that yeah. the Penn, I know the Penn state people out there are like, Oh, rah, 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 like black cleats, white socks is a historic traditional Penn state. Look, well, shut the fuck up. That's for football. All right. This is sucks lacrosse. It sucks. Both of those guys were, were big time offenders of that, at least in their senior year of college. Is that something that you are worried about moving forward with the, with the, uh, with the water dogs, or do you think that someone with the, the, the swagger and the style of Drew Snyder can kind of counterbalance that? I mean, you're going to have to think that maybe, you know, they all get in the locker room and, you know, a couple of the guys who are, you know, pretty, pretty classically swaggy guys like, like Drenner and, and, oh, I just realized, I mean, Kyle McClancy is an ankle socks guy. So... This, yeah, but, this, but, he, but, he, but he's got that weird Albany, like... I know, I know. But, like, if you put if you put McClancy out there with Conrad and wearing black cleats, Sabia, too, like, this could be the least swaggy team in the entire league. Like, this, this could be dreadfully not swaggy. So, there's, there's a risk there. And, you, you know, it, it, I mean, like, imagine, like, a water dog's jersey tucked in shorts rolled black cleats no socks on a vomit i was uh oh my god i was i was feeling i was feeling really good about this expansion draft and and now oh i mean maybe you know they picked up brody merrill for you know so you know the only reason you you draft the guy that's twice as old as everybody else is so you can have them in the locker room telling them how it how it was in your day so I mean, maybe he'll get in there and tell the youngins how Bro- how, how it still, should be done. Brody still has one of the slickest handles in the league, though. Like he he had that I know one, he, does. He, he had that one ground ball over the summer, or you know, if, if you're a Canadian, if you want to call it a Lucy. Um, yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, his like him and I, I think Brian Carolunas too. Like I think that like Carolunas, he's an older guy as well. Like, and by older, I mean like I don't know what what is he? Maybe like thirty. So I guess he's Maybe. like not, yeah, but but either way, I mean that's old in lacrosse these days. Um, but like he he's like a an older guy on defense that's there for because like you look at you know the the, the one area where it's like uh not entirely sure exactly what you're doing here is is they pick up charlie cipriano in cage and like i don't know like you know he 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 didn't have a chance last year with you know big daddy blaze just coming out and being uh you know goalie of the year so like he, he didn't have a chance so like maybe there's a chance that he comes out this year and it's like oh yeah shit like he should have been playing last year it's just that blaze was the best goalie in the league um but you know, having having some of those older guys who are, I, I think Carolunas is probably one of the most underrated uh, polls in the game. And and by underrated, I'm not saying like he's like the best in the game. I'm saying like he just deserves a little bit more credit than he gets. Um, you know, having some of those older guys to then, you know, that that allows you to take a chance on a goalie. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like, hey, like we fucking need some guy to step in here and have like, a shit ton of saves it's like well yeah you know you have the older guys who know what they're doing they know how to you know they're going to give up shots but if they're going to give up shots it's going to be um you know where you want those shots to be coming from and then you just have like you said like that that attack lineup is going to work um at least on paper just so well together we i the one thing i'm worried about i i need i need coochie main to to pack on a few more pounds. I like him better when he's like that North Jersey meatball. It it seems like he's like, it seems like he's like shedding those pounds. Like he's kind of like a, like a, like a New York city type of guy. And it's like, coochie man, buddy, like just get after the cafeteria a little bit, go full meatball and, and let's get this thing rolling. I mean, you just hate it when people are, uh, you know, you hate to see when, when people are trying to get healthier, like that's don't take care of yourselves. Like that's the worst. I mean, I, I can't, I can't stand when that is the case. No, I think, I think it's going to be interesting, man. I I think that, you know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how, how Kelly, Kuchman, Reeves and Drenner and McArdle, how they kind of rotate through. I mean, that's that, that if they, if they have the ball, if they can put balls in the goal, then the defense and the goalie choice aren't too much of a big deal. I'm not going to say they're not. Because I'm not an idiot, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say that I'm more. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the attack more, simply because I mean that's five studs right there. All right, now I'm I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Um, now, is there anyone who was on the unprotected list who you thought was you know you already ordered their water dogs jersey and didn't end up getting drafted at, with the expansion draft? I think there were a couple. Um, there were a couple that I was, I mean, I was kind of, I wasn't really not, concerned. Isn't the right word. I was, I expected them to get drafted. Right. One of them was Cade and Um, I thought that CBR last year really showed up, um, the way that CBR is going to show up. Like, I mean, he had a couple, a uh, couple, two bombs, like he's great on ball, really big communicator. Like I, th- I thought he would get picked up. I really did. Um, so that's definitely one. 
Uh, one of the other ones that I, I thought would get picked up would be uh, Sergio Salcedo. Like that's just, that's a, that's a, that's a guy you can build a team around, right? Like that, that's a guy who's, who's constantly out there in the trenches, not, you know, bucking heads, you know, talking a little shit. Cause I know he is, you know, you, you can't wear a gold chain like that and not talk shit. So I, I expected him or Pat Harbison to be picked up honestly, because you know, Pat Harbison's a grinder and, and that's just somebody that, Again, you could probably build a team around. But, you know, other than that, I mean, you could make an argument that, like, you know, Joe, since Joey Sankey or Ian McKay was left un, un, uh, unprotected, you know, Ian McKay, friend of the pod, like, he's got an insane stick. Uh, so, you know, in the same breath that you're choosing Berg, you know, you could have lobbied for McKay at the same time. Other than that, I think the face-off choice was pretty solid. Um, you could have gone for Brendan Fowler. Um, I, it's just kind of, I think that comes down to, you know, who you like more, you know, I think in, in, in my mind, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that now Grant, like losing, you know, losing Westberg is is definitely gonna, definitely gonna hurt a little bit. Like he's, like you said, one of those guys where he's out there and, um, he's a, he's a positionless offensive player. Like he can, yes. you know, if, if you need someone to take a quick little rest on attack, he can slide in there. If you need someone to, to take some more runs at midfield, he can go from up top. Like, so I, you know, that, that's a big loss for them, but I still think that the, that the Redwoods ended up making out pretty good in this expansion draft, you know, considering like you had mentioned Harbison um, and, and, and Saucedo um, and, and another guy, like I, I thought that Larkin Kemp, is is he uh, he's one of those sticks man that just um you know he can get up and down the field he can really push in transition um you know and and you look at the you know you look at some of the polls that the you know that the water dogs went with um and you know like we said like they're they're more experienced they're older and you know kind of what that means is like you're not really going to get as much transit like I don't think we're going to see Brody Merrill just running up and down the field the whole time, but like Larkin Kemp's one of those guys who can, you know, get up and down the field and, and has a great stick. So I thought that's someone that uh, I probably would have gone with, but um, you know, maybe, maybe they were just, you know, needing to get some, some older guys there just to establish more of uh, you know, that like veteran leadership. Other than that, um, I know people are probably like, why, why wouldn't you go with Miles Thompson? Um, but, I, you know, it's like I, I think if you take him away from that chaos team and from, away, you know, away from, you know, some of those Albany guys, it's like, yeah, like he's still an unbelievable talent. Um, but I don't think he's this. I don't think he shows up the same. Yeah. And, 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 and not to say like he, he doesn't try, you know, but it's like, no, I just, I don't think that he fits in to anything but the chaos offense. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, they, they, you know, Andy Copeland probably realized that and it's like, Hey, like, yeah, he's an unbelievable player, but it's like, let's, we, we can, you know, we have, there are other great players out there that we can, you know, get to play like a, a system together. Um, yeah. Other than that, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, I don't think that there's what I'd be interested to finding out. Like, so the, you know, the way that they, the NHL expansion draft, the, the Vegas team, um, you know, like there, there were all these like, kind of like, you know, 
backdoor deals where, you know, teams were like, Hey, like, you know, here's our unprotected list. But, um, you know, if you don't take like player X and player Z off of our unprotected list, like we'll hook you up with like, so like, so like there were some deals. It's like, Hey, they're unprotected, but don't take them and we'll make it worth your while. So, you know, I, I'd be interested in finding out one day if, if there were, you know, cause you look at a guy like Joey Sankey and it's like, you know, what, what, what about, you know, what about him? Did the, did the, you know, did the uh, water dogs not want to take him away from the archers? Well, maybe, you know, the archers were like, Hey, you know, if, if you don't take this guy, you know, we'll, we'll make it worth your while a little bit later. Although I'm pretty sure. No. So, I mean, they, the water dogs looking at it right now, they took three guys from the archers, so they still could have taken the fourth. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows, you know, could, could be, could be some fuckery afoot, or, you know, maybe, maybe Copeland, like, you know, we've mentioned in, you know, a few weeks ago where he's a guy who knows how to get, um, you know, he, he's done it with Fairfield. He knows how to get the best out of some guys who have been overlooked. Yeah, no, I think that that's kind of the central theme. Um, you know, maybe Jerry, uh, Jerry Ragonis was out there, um, promising some, some meals if they didn't take Larkin Kemp and, uh, um, Jack near away yeah. from him. Yeah. I mean, listen, boys, you, you want some ramen on the road? I got you. Just don't take my boy Larkin. Um, but yeah, so that is the PLL expansion draft. And, um, you know, obviously a, a few ways away from the start of the second PLL season, but. I think the exact same thing as last year. Every single team is going to be competitive. I think every single game is going to be competitive. So it's good for the game. It's good for us. It's good for everybody. Um, and with that, let's head back to the college season with our week three weekend preview. All right. And to start off this weekend, uh, unfortunately, Last week we got a little a little greedy having a, a Q's game right off the bat on a Friday night, so there's not really much going on tonight. So you know it is Valentine's Day, so maybe you can either take the old lady out for a maybe for a dinner, maybe go to the Olive Garden for some for some apps and desserts, breadsticks, soup, salad, and then just peace out before the bill comes. Uh, or you know you can drink a zillion beers with the boys. Or if you really wanted to, we've got Richmond taking on Maris tonight. Uh, so it's a 6 p.m. game. You know, it's, it's not a bad way to get the weekend started. I, uh, we've been pretty high on Richmond so far this episode. Uh, you know, is, is there anything that you're looking for them in this? Like, do you think that this is a game where it's like, all right, Richmond, like if you really want to be taken seriously as like a top 15 program, like you have to just beat the brakes off Marist? Or do you think that this is one where they can kind of just get away with like, just go in there, take care of business and like, make sure no one gets hurt no maris was the conference champions um very recently if i remember correctly so i think you have to beat the brakes off of them to get uh to get some respect um you know there's still it it could be argued like that richmond playing maryland close is just you know people people like to take the 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 side of like, well, you know, maybe Maryland just wasn't playing as well and they don't give enough credit to Richmond. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Richmond fan, but yeah, you got to kick the shit out of Marist like the red foxes. Yeah. You absolutely got to kick the shit out of them to set, to make a statement. Um, you know, by the way, I love the, I love the zillion beers talk. That's uh, we've got a, a crossover 
to 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 a zillion beers on the crease that now so that's that's nice i'll have to i'll have to post a tweet about that but i yeah. i mostly i mostly like to drink two or three and then call the cops uh <laughs> that's, a, but, that's a good weekend that's yeah. a good weekend strong weekend for me uh um, but yeah so i i'm i'm with you there like i don't know i, I think that this is kind of um like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't really hurt Richmond that much if it's uh you know a closer where it's they don't completely just blow the doors off of merit. Like I think this is one of those games where realistically every single person that's listening right now and and probably the majority of the guys who are playing uh, later tonight are going to forget about this game. So like if it's close, like they're not no one's really going to remember it until it's like you know, May rolls around and you're like looking through people's schedule and you're like, oh, wow, you know, they only beat Maris by like such and such. But like, so I don't really think it's going to play like that, that big of a role um, in Richmond. But I, I do think that to play Maryland that close, if you can kind of use that momentum and then just, just start rolling through some teams that you should roll through, um, then that's, it's more of like a, like a mental thing for, for Richmond. So it's, I think that they definitely get the win, but if they're able to cover that minus four, then I think like then that's a team that can just play some serious big dick lacrosse all all year long. Yeah, I think that's what sets them apart, right? Is that you know the 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 perennial powerhouses from the the middle tier teams is that you know these games are gimmies to um, you know Ameris is a gimme to a Maryland team, right? No matter what year it is. You know, that's that's always a gimme. So I think that that's what Richmond's looking for. And again, they're so damn close, right? Their recruiting classes are so strong. Their defense is so strong. They're so close. I, I'd, I'd love to see it. But yeah, man, we got a we got a huge slate of games this weekend. I'm really pumped about it. Yeah, so the, the Saturday slate, um, as is probably going to be the case the entire year, like I, I haven't looked too True. far ahead in the schedule. Like I, I don't know if there are any – I'm sure that there's going to be like a couple, maybe like one or two weeks throughout the season where it's like, ah, oh man, like there really aren't any good games. This isn't one of them. Um, and I'll tell you what, I, I don't know. I, I'd imagine that the schedule was probably solidified a little bit earlier, but it, it seems like maybe they, they heard some of our um, – we, we were bitching a little bit the last episode about the schedule of college mm-hmm. lacrosse and how there's like, you know, 50 good games you need to watch at 12 PM and another 50 at 1 PM. This one, I mean, it's not spread out in the way that, you know, you're still going to have to watch a couple games at the same time, but we've got some real good games at 12. We got some real good games at one. We've got some, we got a good game, a couple good games at two, um, you know, Hopkins Loyola, that's going to be a three thirty game. So it's a little bit staggered, so it's it's getting better. Um, but yeah, let's start off with these twelve o'clock games. Maryland versus Penn. So the Ivy League is now getting started three weeks into the season. Um, or Dorks. You know, four, 14 days. I know it's like you it know, throws me off every fucking season. Yeah, I mean they they're just like, hey guys, you can't you can't start practicing until you finish your homework. And it's like, well, shit, we have so much homework to do. We have to you know wait an extra. 14 days to get it done um but yeah so the the ivy league gets going and for a maryland team that just had quite the scare against richmond this is a tough one to come out of it with because like penn is just um i mean this is a team that we've we've seen yale 
in the national championship the past two years, I think that Penn is now ready to take that Ivy League over. Um, I mean, Sam Hanley at the midfield. Uh, they, they got Birkinshaw transferring over from Virginia in cage. So, you know, a kid who, you know, he was, he was behind Alex road, but still you, you get a goalie from Virginia, uh, who still has three years left of eligibility. That's a, that's a great place to, to get yourself in cage. Um, so I, you know, Maryland, they're favored here at one and a half. I think that, you know, Penn, Penn I don't think that's safe. No, I don't, I don't I, think that's safe at all. I mean, this is, it's also a home game for Matt. Like, I feel like this is a Penn line and, and like Penn on the road to start the season against Maryland and the line's only a goal and a half. It's not a lot of faith in Maryland. No, not at all. And for, for good, I, not for good reason. It's not like Maryland, like Maryland's bad or anything like that. But I think that like this, this is the year that Penn, um, kind of take takes that over and and if they just get Sam Hanley going right off the bat tough luck for for any pole who has to guard that kid from dodging up top yeah that's it and he's a he's a sophomore right last year was a, his freshman a, a, a sophomore God. pre preseason first team all american midfielder he was one of the only sophomores on there i believe if not the only sophomore on the preseason all american list um you know, I think, I think these Ivy League schools are in a really good position now that they've changed the recruiting – or, sorry, the, the transfer rule about having to sit out a year. Now that that has been waived in, in lacrosse, I think that these Ivy League schools have a very good chance of getting a lot of kids who are like, well, fuck, if I'm going to sit third line – on a Virginia team or third line on a UNC team or be the, you know, the sixth attackman in the rotating in five, like, you know, I could get a much better education and not to say that some of these schools aren't, aren't excellent schools, you know, Notre Dame, Maryland, you know, North Carolina, Navy, Towson, these are great schools, but you could draw some of these transfers and, you know, Penn is, we'll, we'll see how that works out for Penn with Barkinshaw this year. Um, you know, it, I mean, it, TD, did it, you know, getting that, getting that Yale, that Yale education, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty little thing to have on your resume. But I mean, I really don't think that that's a safe line for Maryland at all. Um, I'm going to actually take Penn in this game. I think that Richmond may have exposed, not, they're a good team, but I think they may have exposed Maryland a little bit. I got Penn two, two or three goals. Yeah, and keep in mind, Penn's also bringing back Adam Goldner, who had 56 goals last year. So he's coming back Casually. for the senior year here. Um, so you, you, you get those 56 goals back from Goldner. You get Sam Hanley coming in. So I, I know that the only thing that, that would be a little bit worrisome to me in, in picking Penn is just that, you know, Maryland's already been playing so far this season. So they've, you know, they've gotten a chance to, uh, you know, to get that rust off and, you know, Penn, like, you know, obviously they're, they're practicing and stuff like that. But, like, you know, they were they were scrimmaging Ursinus, which is a D3 school, last weekend. So, um, I mean, Ursinus. Did, pro- did, you, did you go there? I, I think we've talked about this. You, are you an Ursinus alumni? Yeah, you know, I might have mentioned once or twice that I'm a, a former NCAA athlete. Um, but, no, like, so Ursinus, it's a – it's a program that is very much on the rise. They're, they're very much locked into a top 20 spot in D3. 
but it's still a little bit different scrimmaging against, uh, you know, Penn scrimmaging against their sinus last weekend as opposed to Maryland playing against Richmond. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's different. So it might take Penn a little bit of time in that first half to really get themselves going. Uh, but again, if, if Hanley is just running people over because he's a big motherfucker and then Goldner's just slinging shots and then you get Birkenshaw just stopping everything that he sees, it, it should be a, uh, you know, it should definitely be a, a pretty, pretty big day for Penn. Nice little coming out party for them. So I'm, I'm with you right there. I might go Penn outright. Um, but for right now, I'm just going to take Penn plus one and a half just to be safe. But I, 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 like, I like Penn in this one a lot. Um, moving on, we've got Army taking on Rutgers. So Army just put an absolute dick kicking on against UMass last weekend and UMass is officially dead to me forever. We've already mentioned it. Um, So now you have to wonder, did army leave enough in the tank? Did the troops leave enough in the, in, in the arsenal, I guess what I'm I'm trying to come up with uh, troops, troops the the armory, the armory, Uh, The the armory. Yeah. So did they leave enough in the armory to take care of Rutgers who, uh, you know, Rutgers, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing with Rutgers that I do every single year. And I'm going to be very much out on Rutgers to start the year. Then they're going to go on a run. I'm going to end up mm-hmm. looking like an asshole because it's like, mm-hmm. why don't you believe in Rutgers? They're, they're doing it. Like this is the year they're finally going to turn the corner and then May's going to roll around and, and you know, Rutgers is just going to have a, a rough go in the big 10. They're going to get pumped by Penn state, Hopkins, Maryland, like, all those schools that like, it's like, Hey, like if you guys want to be in the tournament, if you want an at large bid, you have to beat some of these top big 10 programs and they're not going to do it. Um, but because of that, obviously I, I, I guess, I guess I'm showing my, uh, anti Rutgers bias pretty hard here right now, You are, but I'm also going to show my American bias because it's the greatest country in the world. Being born in America is like winning the lottery a million times over. Uh, so God bless the troops, and I think that they're going to kick the shit out of Rutgers right off the bat. Well, that, that was a ride. That, that, that was a big ride for that, that whole explanation of the, the Rutgers. Um. They, it, it's just every year because, like, every year there's a point in the season where it's like, wait, am I just, like, a dumbass for, for not believing in this team? And, like, you know, most of the time the answer to that question is yes. Um, but until – until they prove that they can like go out there and beat, like you got to beat one of them, you know, just if you beat one of them, I'll be like, okay, I'll give you guys a shot. If you beat two of them, it's like, all right. Yeah. Like you guys are legitimate. And if you beat three, it's like, okay, like this is, I just feel like Rutgers fans and Rutgers people think that they deserve to be in that. Like, Hey, like we're a, we're a top fledged program here. Like give us some goddamn respect and not to be all like, boomer here or anything like that but earn, earn that shit you little dweebs i mean well they, it's not like they have a you know right you know to give them credit in in one you know area they do play a pretty tough schedule they've got loyola princeton syracuse ohio state hopkins maryland and penn state like that's a pretty fucking tough schedule that's a that's a top five top ten tough schedule um you know yeah, like, shout all- out all the other great teams have great schedules too, though, and they, yeah. they string string together all those wins if they need to. 
I'm sorry. Keep going. I, I'm, I'm just fired up. I don't know why I'm fired up about Rutgers right now, but I feel like I'm going to, I don't know why I'm, I'm going to have some angry texts from Jules Henneberg later. So I, I might just you might. Turn, off, turn off my phone. You might. Um, I mean, their attack is really strong. Uh, you know, Ryan Gallagher, Atlanta boy, um, I know a kid since he was like 11 years old. Um, and then they have Adam Charlambidi's back. And he was doing absolutely stupid stuff last week. Um, and then they have a senior attackman, Karen Mullins from Islip. Um, that's a really strong attack. But the problem is that's basically where all their offensive production is coming from right now. So, um, you know, you got a really strong attack. And, you know, if they play matchups, like, you know, if you got a really good defense that's playing matchups, I mean, there's just got to be a little bit more production. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly going to go in the direction where I hate on Rutgers um, because I feel some sort of sense of loyalty to him because of Ryan Gallagher, the, the kid I coached. He's absolute stud. Um, but let, I'm not let gonna, the record show that the crease dive is not an anti-Rutgers podcast. It's not an anti-Rutgers podcast. Jordy, okay, Jordy, but, Jordy just hates Jersey. Jordy, yes, Jordy is just not a huge fan of Jersey. How's that? Um, and I think that's fair. I think that's a that's a that's a, a something we've come to that's fair. Uh, other than that, I mean, Army's a pretty strong team. I mean, Brendan Nickturn is. We might have to get that kid on the pod. We might have to call up the the commander in chief and see if we can get Brendan Nickturn um, to come on and all that, but. Uh, he's a stud um, that he's a, he's a problem. He's not just a stud. He's a problem. Uh, he, he's, he's really, really fast. And I don't, I mean, I'm a, listen, I'm not going to guard the kid. He's going to score on me. So whatever. Yeah. I would, um, I, I know that 1917, I actually, I, I don't watch award shows, but um, I'm sure that 1917 did pretty well in award shows. And, did. And, uh, I would rather watch Brendan Nickturn though for, an hour and a half than 1917 and, and it's a phenomenal war movie. But if I'm watching a troop, you know, just a solo shot of a troop running around for hour and a half, two hours, I'd rather it be Brendan Nickturn uh, instead of who was that? It was like Tommen from game of Thrones. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I agree. Yeah. So the, the director, I guess just doesn't like lax, which means that they're not a part of the sport mm. of the future, which means that they can get bent. Um, so yeah, I'm going Army minus two here. Uh, are, have have you? Do you have that much loyalty in your boy that you're willing to take Rutgers with the points, or or are you going to be a, a true red blooded American? Thinking, I mean, they put up 37 points between their first two games. Granted, that was against Quinnipiac and St. John's, but at some point that you have to learn to win yeah. the close games, you know? Yeah. So like maybe this is one of those ones where it's like, Hey, like let's, let's get like a little adversity going here. We can battle through that. It'll make us stronger. At the I end. don't know if I, I don't know if I'll take him with the points. So we're, but, we're rolling with army, but it'll be, uh, I'll roll with army. Yeah. But, but it won't be a 17, four, ass kicking i don't think it's going to be an ass kicking i think it might be a we might have another you know 14 10 situation or something like that i do love channel and though i don't even know if i'm saying his last name right but you know he's he's an acl acl tear survivor like the boys and he 
he's still just coming out, just going airborne through the crease like an absolute savage. So I'm a fan of his. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with Army in that one. Uh, the next game on the schedule. So now we move over to 1 p.m. And this is a game, Andy Shea, you you. Sneaky bastard, you think you have the rest of the nation fooled, but you can't get it by us. We've got Yale starting off the season with Villanova again. And the past two years, what has happened? OT to Nova to start off the season. And so it it happens in 2018, an OT law. I'm pretty sure that they played that one at uh, the Star in Frisco, little, little Cowboys practice facility. They lose to Nova in overtime, and guess what happens? They go on to win a national championship. Last year, 2019, actually, I forget if that one was an overtime. Regardless, it was a one-goal loss to Villanova. They start off the season the exact same way that they started off the season in 2018. What happens? They're playing for a national championship. So they don't win it, but they're still playing in the national championship game again. Andy Shea, he's, he's a... He's definitely one of the better brains in the sport. He's got a team that has been playing on them. Like, you know, if you're a junior at Yale right now, you haven't had a season that hasn't ended on Memorial Day. So, like, these guys have been there. They know what it takes to get there. Will they do it again? Do you think that they purposely lose this game? Because I, th- <laughs> I think if, if they don't do it purposely, then then it's over for Nova. But I think... Do you keep that strategy rolling where if you start off the season with a one goal loss to Nova, you're playing on Memorial Day? Hmm. Interesting. I think it's pretty bold to uh, to even schedule them uh, the first game of the season, considering that they've absolutely been dick slapped the first, you know, the last two times. Like, you know, that's enough. Like, Hey, maybe, you know, because a lot of guys are superstitious, right? You know, and, and and plenty, plenty of coaches are superstitious. So, you know, maybe that can go both ways. You could say, like, hey, we're so, super, we're so superstitious. We need to schedule Villanova again. Like, you know, we've got to get over that hump to, to rid the curse. Or you're like, well, you know, we got to do it regardless because if they beat us, that's good luck. You know, so, I mean, you – play both sides of that but I mean dorks um you know all their all their bags filled up with books and things like that but I mean they've got some serious athletes um Yale really didn't lose anybody either now that I'm thinking about it um they've got a a ton of guys like Matt Gaudette who are uh I mean just absolute freaks with the rock um it's interesting that how many Canadians they've pulled in but uh could be a good game could not Mm. I'm going to lean towards yes. What's the what does Lax Vegas line say? So Lax Vegas lines has this one at Yale minus four. Keep in mind this is Yale on the road to start the season. Hmm. Um, so you know I think I don't know if if this one starts again. Same thing with Penn starting the same thing with all these Ivy League teams starting off a little bit later into the year. It might take them a little bit to get themselves going in the first half. Uh, but I think you know with Yale having to tra- to travel to Nova and then this is their first game. I, I think that four is a pretty, a, a pretty fair number for them. Um, you know, especially if, if TD is just making it a, a make it, take it type of game. 
I think I'm going to roll with Nova though. I like, I, I still think, I think, you know, Yale, they probably have again, just some, some nerds who are in the laboratories there at Yale and they're coming up with, with all the numbers and the analytics and they've, they've crunched it down so hard that they said, Hey, if you guys lose by one to Villanova to start the season, you have a 99.5% chance of playing Memorial day. And you know, uh, Sometimes you just have to make that sacrifice, right? Like, no, name name me one time where a team has won a national championship on February fifteenth. It's a trick question because no one's ever done it. So if you have to lose on February fifteenth to be playing on Memorial Day, that's you know that that's the way you got to do it. So I'm I'm riding with Nova plus four because I think it'll be that that one goal game. Um, now, now your pick here. Do you think that Andy Shea is the evil genius who's starting off these years with the loss on purpose, or do you think that they, or do you think that they just come out and they say, "Fuck it, we'll do it live and we'll just beat up everybody"? I, I think they're more fuck it than anything else. You know, I think there's a method behind the madness, right? Like if they if they do lose, they don't really care too much about it, but. If they do win, they get the monkey off their back. So to be perfectly honest, this is a win-win situation for them anyway. You know, they're, they're coming out with a dub no matter what. So honestly, I don't give a fuck. I would just like, I, I, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm right down the middle on, on either of this. I'm not, for the first time, I'm not going to make a pick. I'm just going to watch the game. Love it. Uh, before we get into a couple more games, let's, uh, Jake, how about, how about you take this one away with our club ball game of the week? Little MCLA love here. Oh, definitely. We're huge on the MCLA love. Uh, so my pick for the game this week, I, I, you know, it's, it's early in the season and the MCLA, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the club, with club ball, but, uh, they usually get into their, the, the most important conference play, um, towards the end of the season, literally like everybody else. So I'm not, you know, it's, it's literally the same thing. So you don't, don't be surprised. So, but we're taking uh, our talents over to what you might know as the pack, the pack 10, pack 12. Um, it's two different conferences in the MCLA, the PNCLL and the uh, Southwest lacrosse conference. Uh, my game of the week for club ball is Arizona versus Oregon. Um, this Oregon team is coming off of a devastating loss of a coach, um, Charlie Jackson, who passed away, he was 43 years old. I uh, don't mean to be too somber, but I felt like that was something that needed to be said. So this is a, a top 25 matchup, and the boys uh, on this Oregon team are going to be hurting a little bit, but I think they're going to use this as motivation to take out Arizona. And uh, I have to say that, um, you know, Arizona and Oregon have two of the, the, the swaggiest color setups uh, when it comes to uniforms, I must say. Um, and I, and I've said this and I've, I've been on record saying this, that, um, Oregon should be one of the first teams to jump, should be another team to jump from club to D one simply because of the facilities, the jerseys, just, it makes so much sense. Having a West coast school out there, they could scoop up all the recruits. I could go on and on, but MCLA game of the week this week, Air, uh, Arizona versus Oregon book it. Yeah, I wish I was uh, smart enough to like really understand how Title IX works. Like, I, I understand the reason why they probably can't go D1 right now is because of right. some sort of Title IX thing. But like, people say, oh, Title IX, Title IX. And like, I understand like what Title IX is. I don't quite understand like 
okay, like how, how do you get around that? Um, so if, I mean, if, they have if, money. If someone, yeah. If someone with like a good brain could kind of like explain that to me, like I'm five, um, that'd be great. But I, I do agree. I mean, the moment that, or the moment that more of these PAC 12 schools start to go D one, that's, that's when we'll see the, the sport really take off. Cause if you can dude, just imagine being a, a high school junior or a senior and you get to go on a recruiting trip over to one of these PAC 12 schools and you know, you get to enjoy like a, like a, a college, like a legitimate big time college football Saturday. Like I get like, if you go to like Penn state, you get that. Or if you go to Michigan or Ohio state, like you have that experience. Um, but yeah, I mean the moment that the PAC 12 comes in, like, like they're, they're going to get kids signing by the time that they're like eating breakfast the next morning. I mean, like, so you put it in front of them. You're like, okay, you could either go to Oregon that has hundreds of million dollars put into their facilities. And I mean, thousands of California girls there, right? You know, student population, I believe, tilts more towards, the, you know, the female, you know, more women than men. Or you could go play Long Island University Division One. Not nothing against LIU, right? Nothing against LIU. I just don't think that they have thirty-five thousand people. You know, is a little bit different. A little rainier over on the West Coast, maybe. But still, they also got a good football program over at Oregon too. So you're not just like you're not just a lacrosse school. Just saying. Yeah, I th- I think that that's a uh, it's a no brainer if. If I were a program kind of like a LIU or or even like a Merrimack who's had like a ton of success lately, yeah, like making the jump to D one, um, I'd be like so worried about some of these Pac twelve schools coming in soon because like, well, fuck, like how how are we supposed like we just made the jump to D one? How on earth are we supposed to like, compete with that now? Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's a that's a good game of the week, and uh, I'll, I'll be pulling for the Ducks in that one um, for sure. Obviously, going through some some tough times there, so we've got the boys, the whole program, and in, in our thoughts. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know one of the best ways to to kind of get get themselves through that is just banding together and just putting on a putting on a, a real good showing there. Um, you know, definitely definitely will help them out. So. Go Ducks on that one. And now we will move it back over to some NCAA D1 ball. And we've got a, uh, just, a, just a matchup of some Titans. We've got Duke and Denver. This game is going to be at Denver. So Duke hopping on the plane, heading to the, to the Rocky Mountains. Um, hopefully they, they stay away from the greenery a little bit. Uh, Altitude sickness, gotta gotta watch out for that. the The air is gonna be thin. I still don't know the science. Like, it does is is the ball? Does that make the ball like? Is that gonna add some some MPH to the shots? Or you know, it's definitely gonna slow down the ball. Like, I look at someone like a Nakai Montgomery who's just like buzzing up and down the field, and it's like, all right, like just throw an oxygen mask on him or something because that the altitude's gonna take some of that away from his game. I mean, yeah, uh, I think so. If the air is thinner, the ball will travel faster and further, 
right? I know that some of the longest field goals ever attempted in the NFL were done in Mile High Stadium. So uh, I, I think there's like an asterisk on each one of them simply because it was it happened in uh, in the Mile High Stadium. But um, that's a fun game. Duke Denver is always a fun game to me. Uh, Denver. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really watching Denver this year because I got to see, I got to see Ethan Walker with the ball some more. Um, it just, the way that he moves around the field, the way that he, you know, like the, the step back Allen Iverson, I mean, and he's not, you know, and he's not the only one, right. There's Jack Hanna, there's JJ Silstrop. Like there's a lot of guys out there, you know, Silstrop is a California boy. Uh, he's a super, super chiller as they would say. I mean, his name's JJ. Like what, 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 fuck else would it would he be um but i mean there's a couple seniors on this uh denver team but other than that they look like a really young team which they haven't had in a few years so it's kind of like that cycle you know uh you graduate a bunch of seniors you know kind of reset a little bit so we'll see what they bring against duke but you know yeah i'm pumped I mean, for the most part, these games are, are always super tight. Um, you know, there's never really going to be a blowout on one side or another. Um, so, you know, the, the line here, Denver being, um, being the home team, they are minus two. Uh, you know, I, I think Duke, they, I, we, we all know that they, they stumbled out of the gates a little bit with that loss to air force, but it's, it was almost to be expected that they would drop, you know, one of these games here in, in February as they're one to do. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, the, the travel here is going to be a bit much, um, you know, it's, you, what you're, you're taking a plane, you're getting off the plane, then you have to practice and then you have to get the game going. And, um, you know, it's just a lot on the legs, like just, just sitting down, having to travel that much is going to be a, it's going to be a lot to get those legs back going. And so I think, you know, a slow start, um, yeah, kind of just what you were saying there, it kind of all depends on how the Denver shooters come. Cause like these kids can stroke the ball. And they're just going, just no remorse for the back of the cage. Um, whether it's low to high or, or whether, um, you know, I, it, it does suck losing a kid like Colton Jackson who could just bring some heat behind his shots. And it's, um, you know, no one, actually no one on this team last year had over 20 goals. So, but, you know, you really like to see that unselfishness, right? Maybe they maybe just like big, like they're big sharers. Maybe that's a tyranny thing. So, yeah, I mean, so, look, you know, looking at the stats right now, they had eight kids who had double digit goals on the year. So like that, that's big, but only, you know, only Ethan Walker, uh, you know, he had 39 and everyone else had under 20. So you kind of need someone to, I don't know, you, you need someone to keep pace with them. Um, you know, and this, this, uh, you know, this freshman that, that you were talking about, JJ Silstrop, that's how you, you say his name. I yep. mean, if, if he's starting off the year with five, like, I think that that's, that's the kid who's going to be keeping pace with, with Walker. So, yep. um, you know, if, if they're able to get their shooters going early and often, then it's going to be a, a tough hole for Duke to climb their way out of. So I like Denver in this game. I'm going to roll with the Pios minus two. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll match that. 
Um, I like the Denver team. You know, it's Duke in February, right? You know, we'll count. We can we can count them out right now. But you know, everybody listening can obviously keep in mind that you know when two months from now, sixty days from now, we're going to be all on Duke. Well, here's the thing. So if if they lose to Denver, right, and so then the following, so next Saturday, so we both have Penn. At least we 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 feel Penn beating Maryland this weekend. So then yes. Penn, Penn will be coming off of a big win against Maryland. Do they beat uh, Maryland and Duke two weeks in a row? Even mm-hmm. for Penn, who I think is one of the top, like I, I think that they're ranked top five for a reason. I think that they deserve to be there. But even for a team like that, I think that that's you know, a, a tough way to start off the season. So maybe Duke loses this game to Denver. Then they respond with a win against Penn. Then they have Richmond, who... Again, right there. Um, so close, man. But, you know, so, so we'll see. But Richmond, that's a toss-up. Uh, and then you've got Fair or Furman, and they, that's, that's when they really get themselves going. So, um, you know, this – I mean, this loss against Denver could be their last in a while. So get, if they get it out of the way now, um, you know, it's, it's probably better for them. But, yeah, I, I like as, – as long as Denver's just ripping the ball early and often – I think that they kind of start to pull away pretty early. I agree. It, it won't be a blow. It won't be a blowout, but pull away in the sense where it's like, all right, like we're good. Like we won this game. It's still going to be a little bit of a battle, but like we're not going to be coming down to the wire here. Yeah, they'll, they'll you know, they'll amass a comfortable lead. I think that's what that's what we're kind of looking for there. It'll be a it'll be a you know. Thank you for being able to put my words into a more concise, less idiot rambling like a, a lunatic that's that's what i meant to say it just turns out that it took me like an extra 35 seconds to come up with listen it. some some people some people have very smooth brains um mine just happens to be less smooth than yours so what can i say yeah mine's like a marble right now uh so th- the last game on the saturday schedule that that i have circled here at least uh we've got hopkins traveling just a little bit you know basically they can all just hop on you know a, a bike share and take a take a ride over to Loyola uh but we've got your Johns Hopkins Blue Jays taking on the Loyola Greyhounds Loyola coming off of a 12-9 loss to Virginia Hopkins coming off of that 15-7 win against Towson um this is a game very much like the Richmond one in the sense that I, I think that this is a game that Hopkins needs to come out and blow the doors off of Loyola because what we've seen out of Hopkins the past few years, like I, I just think that if there's anything that they've been consistent on, it's being inconsistent. So they'll give you two great games here. Then they'll give you two games where it's like, holy fuck, like, did Petro just, like, forget to recruit this year? Like, what's going on? Um, so, you know, they, they've they've been pretty much the same team, like, the last few years where it's, it's just super inconsistent. You don't know which Hopkins team you're going to get each week. Beating the brakes off of Loyola this week will go a long way as to if they're, if they're a team that's going to make a run in May or not. Yeah, it's time to make a statement for sure. Um, I think that Towson was a solid statement. I, you know, just because of the proximity of that rivalry, I think that was 
a very good statement, but like now you gotta, you gotta do something else to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Right. Um, you know, Kobe Smith was the leading scorer in that game. So, uh, I mean, you got to come out and you have to absolutely just kick the living shit out of Loyola. I, there's no other way. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure we still haven't heard anything about, uh, one Mr. Joseph Epstein, but you know, I, I still, I like what I saw out of that offense last week. Um, you know, you had what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different scores in the game, three guys with hat tricks. So, you know, they, they've got guys all around offensively who can get it done. Um, and you know, Loyola is, you know, they, they were able to keep it tight with Virginia, but a, a little, the score was a little tighter than the game actually was. Um, so I just think, I, I still think that, uh, Loyola's missing that guy who can get it done on his own. Like the, the guy who's, the party starter for this team, the guy who's going to, you know, get things going. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to take a little while for someone to really step up in that offense and become that guy. And, you know, for Hopkins, it could be Cole Williams on any given day. Uh, it could be a Forey Smith. It could be a Joey Epstein if, if, if he's playing in this game. So they have those guys. Um, so I, I, I like, I, I like your blue Jays in this one with the, with the one and a half. Yeah, I like the Blue Jays a lot. Um, I think that with Cole Williams kind of being the 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 general uh, general out there directing traffic, um, he's able to bring guys who haven't you know seen a, a college field like Owen Murphy. You know, Owen Murphy was out there balling. Um, I I think they have this one in the bag with or without um, with or without Epstein, and I you know it sucks, man. Being injured is is the worst, but um, you know, you want to think that, you know, maybe the coaches came to Epstein and were like, listen, bud, like we got this one in the bag, like just give it another week or something like that. And obviously they haven't disclosed what the injury is, but it has to be big enough that, it, you know, they don't want, you know, risking him playing on it. So, I mean, they're, they're obviously good. They've got, you know, their next man up is, you know, Brett Baskin and uh, Owen Murphy. So like what, you know, what more can you ask for really? Yeah. I mean, the, the schedule for Hopkins is, you know, again, the schedule for a lot of these teams is absolutely absurd, but, you know, they have to go after this. They have North Carolina. They've got Princeton, Cuse, uh, you know, then, then they have Mount St. Mary's, but then, um, you know, then they get into Big Ten play pretty soon after that. So, yeah, I, I think if I were Petro, I'd be like, hey, you know, Joey, we've got a, got a, got a, got a pretty big bulk of the season left ahead of us. So, you know, maybe not. let's not push it too hard in february and let's keep you pretty safe for may um but yeah so i yeah big big statement day for hopkins so uh we could be totally wrong on all of these but i i feel i feel like we're we nailed pretty much all these games so you know if, if you don't have a chance to actually watch them guess what you just listen to us talk about them that's all you really need to know because everything we said is going to happen yeah i mean why would you do anything else but you should still watch the games because then that gets the ratings up and then maybe eventually they'll put these more of these games on actual TV. But if you, if you couldn't, uh, then we, we already have you covered. Yeah. I mean, that's why they listen to this podcast. All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, Hey, listen, I happy Valentine's to all you motherfuckers out there. We, we love you guys. And, uh, 
like we said in the beginning, just don't be a, try not to be too horny on the internet today. And instead of that, just keep it low to high to the day we die. We out.